Hello, welcome to the 18th episode of Megaten Marathon. It's a game-by-game journey through the Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games. And this is the second episode we're doing on Persona 5. I'm Paul M. Davis, and who am I here with? It's me, Brian. Hey, and it's me, Evan Noggle. How have you guys been since the last time we talked? It's been so long. <laughs> yeah, all of uh, ten minutes. <laughs> I died You're... and I'm a ghost now. Oh, yeah, that, that was a shame how you died, Evan. Real violent, I heard. Yeah, are you a member of uh, are you a member of the uh, Spookies now? <laughs> oh man, if I if I could join them, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't get that joke, so it's a uh, it's a soul hackers joke. We'll oh, get okay. there later in the year. I think. <laughs> Let, let's just say they didn't always have names as catchy as the investigation team. Yeah. <laughs> so Persona Five, we're here. We're into it. The game is starting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Indeed, we are we are the the phantom thieves. So the game, uh, as a plot device, decides to start things off in media res. Um, mm-hmm. You are robbing a casino. You're getting some chit chatter on your headpiece or whatever from your teammates. Like obviously, just a bunch of foreshadowing. The game doesn't. For the sake of our fans, we're not going to spoil the identity of a, t- a party member before we get to it. But the game doesn't really pretend that they're secrets. If you look at the box the game came in, they're all right there. Yeah. Oh, huh. You're right. I, I've never actually looked at the box before. And I watched yeah. the intro movie when I play, like 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 the loading screen that comes up when you put the disc in. They're all on that. Um, it's only there for like three seconds. It's easy to miss though. Um, but they're all in the intro movie at the beginning. Um, well, actually, one of them isn't, but uh, most of them are. And so, like, you'll see a bunch of characters that you have no context for. And you you can kind of remember their design, and eventually they'll show up, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, they're going to be in my team. I, yeah, well, you could say the same for Persona 4 Golden. Um, they have the same kind of intro where it's like, yeah, they... they you know, characters will show up before they become your t- members of your team. But if you've watched the intro or looked at the box, then you know that they will be uh, eventually part of your team. Yeah, and it's not that I, you know, it's just that I guess I know I'm not the only Persona fan that feels this way. Is that when I go into these, I kind of want to know as little as possible of what's coming up. Because the, the journey is such a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the box for the first time right now, and I totally don't know who a lot of these people are. <laughs> I also I also didn't know this was rated M. Oh, yeah, totally. For oh, blood, yeah. Blood, drug references, partial nudity, sexual themes, strong language, and violence. Evan, you mm-hmm. didn't get to it yet, but they drop an F-bomb. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, this first episode is pretty fucking raw, so like dropping an F-bomb seems kind of tame compared to some of the stuff that goes on in the first month. It's so interesting. The game starts off like, not like Persona 3, the world is pointless dark, but um, it's pretty dark and brutal. And that tone, they slowly back off of it the further you get into the game, but don't quite ever let go of it. It's so interesting. It opens very strongly with a very aggressive tone about the prior generations actively screwing over the younger generation mm-hmm. and that kind which of like is, 
the entire first month, it just goes hot and heavy with that. I mean, I feel like anybody who's read a review, I don't feel like this is a huge spoiler. That is like a running theme in the game. Oh, sure. We can talk um, about running themes. Just don't go, you know, articulate on like how they end or nothing yet. Yeah, no, no. That is definitely a running theme in the game is that like, you know, and I, I mean, I feel like this is an incredibly like, you know, timely game in a weird way for a game that took like eight years to develop or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um you know, that, like, so much of it has to do with uh, social and political hypocrisy. And, uh, you know, you get, like, real, like, direct servant of that in the first, you know, in the first portion of the game. It's almost as if there were long-standing societal issues that have been going on for several decades. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't. I won't. I don't want to be too snappish. I also don't want to distract too much from the conversation. But I'm just now opening up the inside cover of my of the game. I've never actually looked inside the box either. Don't tell me what's in there. Spoilers. I'm not going to. I'm not going to tell you. But I'm looking at a character right now, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that person was going to join the team. But there's that person dressed up like a thief. So, so the I, guess, other, I guess they're joining. That's what I was, the game doesn't pretend that these are secrets. It's but it allows you to pretend that they're secrets if that's how you want to go in. You could willfully you, you, ignore all of these elements. And by willfully ignore, you mean keep your eyes closed as you take the disc out of the box. Or just be like me, be so excited that you have a copy of Persona 5 that you just sort of have this emotion of wanting to go home that minute and just mm-hmm. put that game right in the console and just not even think about the fact that it came in the plastic. Well, actually, my, my box is metal. Now that I think about it, oh, uh, you've got the metal box. I just, oh, yeah, I just too. pre-ordered the the fifty nine ninety nine game, and that's what it came in. I pre-ordered uh, the Amazon version, and um, all I got was this uh, these stickers that I can put on my uh, DualShock Four that uh, will make it look really tacky to have around my house. So <laughs> I didn't get anything um, else. I, I didn't do even get inside uh, inside cover art. <laughs> I do really like the metal case. By the way, it's a very nicely designed case. It's really cool. It has a good heft, and um, I, I in general like it when it's really cold. So it makes me really happy to hold this and have it be cold in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Just I a have... small thing. Went through my mind. I, I have I have the same thing, Evan, but it's just so funny. Like like you would that's what you would put on your Amazon review of the Persona 5 <laughs> Steelbox case. Cons, sharp edges, spoilers <laughs> for future events, pros, cold to the touch. <laughs> See, and you know, this is you know, we're we're all different, you know. Uh that that uh, element of being cold to the touch is not appealing to me. So, <laughs> so games are subjective, critics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the real journalism around here? Anyway, uh, so <laughs> sorry. Who's sorry? <laughs> so we okay. uh, we're in a casino. We're stealing a treasure, and we are. It's just an action sequence. Like, this is a really heavy action sequence for Persona 5 to start off on. Like, I was legitimately surprised when we got to this. You're jumping, you're running. Um, we didn't mention this in the mechanics episode. You have a dash button when you're freely moving around in a dungeon. It makes things very zippy. Mm-hmm. Wait, do you, you have a dash button? Are yeah. you serious? 
What's the dash button? Press R2, R2 sometime, Evan. Oh, I've never pressed R2. Oh, you should be pressing yeah. R2 a lot. <laughs> I should. That's part of what that. I was talking about with the uh, platinum. <laughs> I, I thought you were I'm talking about the press X to go to cover and like how your character would like sort of jump to cover, jump between cover. I thought no. that's what you meant. I was like, huh, I'm not going to disagree too strongly with you because it's your opinion. But man, <laughs> okay, <laughs> if there's a dash, that makes way more sense. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Oh no, do we have to and go plus, back and re-record the last episode? <laughs> and plus, uh, you actually don't have to use the cover system if the uh, shadows are looking the opposite direction. You can just dash up on them and uh, ambush them. So I, I actually have a, a question about that, because I feel like you can get spotted through being, like I guess, sound, like going at them really fast and they turn around real quick. Or am I just getting unlucky on my timing? Well, the thing is, the ambush, you, you know, the uh, space between you and the uh, shadow for the ambush is pretty far. So you can get pretty close to it with the dash and then inch up on it and then do the ambush, you know? It's, so when you get close enough to an enemy, even if they aren't facing you, there's like an animation cycle they go through to detect you. Because uh, I actually, I noticed the same thing you did, Brian. So I basically loaded a save and did some trial and error with it. And essentially as soon as you reach a certain radius they'll start looking left and right then they'll get like a little exclamation over their head then they'll turn around and attack you ah. if you kind of sit behind them interesting so um you go and you as you're trying to escape um you get interrupted there's an enemy it's a quick fight it's mostly to show you hey look a battle system yay um but you fail you fail in your mission you are captured by the police and the police take you to an interrogation room. Just to interrupt, you're kind of underselling this a little bit. Maybe. It's hard to, like, sell how big this is. Oh, I, I just mean, like, you're describing this as you were captured by the police? You're being, you're no. being chased oh, oh, by, shit. like... Oh, shit. Yeah, you're being chased by, like, 50 SWAT team members with, like, shotguns and pistols and assault rifles and everything. And they chase you up a, up a fire escape. Then immediately up on the first floor of the fire escape are like eight more cops pointing their shotguns at you. And then one of them smashes you in the head with the butt of the butt of his shotgun. I'm pretty sure it was, it was massive cops. Yeah. Yeah. The mass of cops. That's what I was remembering. God, you're right. I, I failed (laughs) in my duties. There are you, there is a comical number of police that they've had to gather to stop you. You are, clearly infamous at this point mm. like the police have been after you for some time um so and you... somehow all the police are in the uh in the uh the metaverse we're not gonna worry about that right now because none of us have gotten far enough to know what that means yet yes <laughs> but um so uh, you get dragged off to an interrogation room. You alone. I don't know where your party is at this point. Like, again, we're like, this is even further. But oh, I guess to explain, this is not where the game starts. You get interrogated by the pol- by a police officer. Her name is Sai uh, Nijima. And she... Um, she begins questioning you about your activities. And you start all the way back at the beginning... All the way back in April, in the year 20XX. So. I like that they went for the uh, 20XX as opposed to uh, dating it like they did in 3 and 4. 
it was a lot smarter because like I could literally believe this game happens anytime between the years 2010 and now. Yeah. Of course, it does. It does bring back memories of like you know late eighties, early nineties, like arcade games, where it's like in the year twenty XX. I love those. Like there is that game straight up yeah. called Twenty XX. That's like a Mega Man roguelike. That's pretty cute. Right. But I was at work. We just set up a demo that has a Mega Man Four cartridge in it, and I was watching <laughs> the opening scroll, and uh, I forgot that the original Mega Man games it was just two thousand X. Right, right. So, whatever year Mega Man took place in was almost a decade ago at the very latest. Well, you remember when uh, Steve Jobs uh, introduced uh, the iPhone and Mega Man to the world? Fair enough. 2007. (laughs) Well, the the funny thing is, when I I was a kid, I I knew what Roman numerals were. I was not used to seeing the XX as a placeholder for, like... (laughs) any numeral so i assumed it meant 201010 so i assumed this was like 20,000 years in the future <laughs> fair enough oh that's acceptable <laughs> well, once you get knocked out by the cops they basically take you right into uh, like you were mentioning right into the interrogation room mm-hmm. um and yeah, this cop basically roughs you up a little bit and says that you're going to pay for what you did. Uh, it, and you go right into your uh, your name select screen, which is you signing your confession, which is pretty great. Oh, yeah. yeah you sign a confession. Um, yeah, that was really good. I, I was very charmed by that. Um, oh, wait, shit. I just got spoiled on another uh, team member, and I am 60 hours into the game by looking at the cover. God damn it. <laughs> G- guys, I, I even told you exactly what would happen if you looked at the cover. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. I, I feel like at a certain point, it's just not reasonable to call it a spoiler if it's on the box. Yeah. And not even on the screenshots, but like on the front of the box. I guess it's a matter of context, but anyway, sorry. Yeah, so you've um, you are getting questioned by uh, what? What's her name? Sinajima. Sinajima. Um. So yeah, she's a. You go basically start at the beginning of the story. You're in April. Um. You arrive in. Uh, I cannot remember the name of the town. It's not Shibuya, but it's connected to Shibuya on the train line. Um, it's a very small, like, back streets kind of neighborhood. And you arrive at the... Of, of Tokyo. Yes, of Tokyo. And you arrive uh, at the, um, the place of business of your new caretaker, uh, Shojiro Sakura. And it is a cafe. And he basically gives you a room in the up on the upstairs that you can call your home. You may wonder, what kind of relationship does this man have with me? Is he my father? My uncle? Nah, he's just some guy who they're paying to take care of you because you have a record. Bum, bum, bum. Mm-hmm. You're a hardened criminal. <laughs> and uh, so I know this, this is doled out slowly, uh, but it's over the course of the first month. Uh, basically, what happened was... You were walking the streets one night, and you saw a woman screaming for help, 
Uh, there was clearly a uh, you know sexually sexual violence implied in the scene. I can't remember how heavily, but definitely implied. And you like punch the guy. Um, he threatens you, telling you he owns the police, and uh, you clearly that didn't play out to your advantage. Yes. Yeah, you get stuck with an assault charge and uh, effectively released into probation. And I guess yeah. the, the person the courts found to take care of you in your probationary period is Shojiro Sakura. And it, the game doesn't really address if you're like an orphan or what. Why do Persona protagonists never have parents? <laughs> That's a good question. <clears throat> I'm I'm still wondering like what your actual relationship with uh, with uh, Sakura is. Well, to, to to the question about the parents, I th- I think it's because of the, how the games uh, dole out the social links. It would be kind of awkward if you had all these characters that you couldn't build social links with, but were really important to your character, and it would also be awkward to be building these links for the first time as like a seventeen-year-old kid with your parents. Yeah, no, you have to be a fish out mm-hmm. of water for the persona social links thing to work. You have to be in a new climate, a new society. It may, I, I, I do understand it from a mechanical perspective. It's just. It's humorous, dude. It's just never uh, just you know, just a note from dad. But if your characters <laughs> did have parents, then they wouldn't have to add a character that reminds you you go to bed every night. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> well, what if your dad died and came back as like this little uh, polar bear thing? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you go to bed basically one night and uh igor wakes you up in the velvet room as he is Mm -hmm. wont to do uh he explains to you how you have the power to change hearts and uh you're also greeted by the two velvet room assistants who this time are two little twin girls uh with uh a a pony one has a ponytail and the other has another hairstyle i don't know but they each have an eye patch on one eye and their names are justine and christine uh, and they, they are sadistic as fuck. It's like a good cop, bad cop situation, but like yeah. obviously the good cop isn't like a good cop. Yeah. We didn't talk about how fucked up uh, Persona Fusion is in this game. <laughs> we kind of forgot. Velvet Room is kind of fucked up in this game. Totally, hundred yeah. oh, percent. Igor has a new voice. Yes. A very alarming new voice the first time you hear it, because you're expecting, like, you're expecting your goofy friend who, regardless of how you feel about the old Igor voice, it was very, it was pretty whimsical, it was very established through several games, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's just like, hello, and welcome to the Velvet Room. I love, I love Igor's new voice. I had to pause, like, I, I had to pause out to the PS4 menu, because the first time you heard it, I just started laughing so hard I couldn't even look at the game. Yeah, I like, oh I, I kind of preferred <laughs> Tales from the Crypt, uh, Igor voice. I'm not saying I prefer this one, I just, I think it's an interesting, because so what happened was the Japanese voice actor for the original Igor died, and right. so they replaced him in the Japanese dub. And in Atlas decided it was a better move to do somebody with a because the Japanese one was going to have that gulf of difference between the first actor and the second. They might as well have that gulf of difference in the English version too. Um, that makes sense because apparently there is 
some story stuff that attempts to justify that, according to some folks who have already played through the game. So yes, so I in favor. I am mostly in favor of the change. I I I think who they chose does a really good job. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's I it's just very that. jarring when you aren't expecting the when you're expecting one thing. It, it's it's kind of like how I love pe- Diet Pepsi. I love Diet Sprite. I love like I love most sodas. If you give me a Pepsi and it looks like a Sprite, I'm going to freak out when I take a sip of it. It's kind of the same thing here. Yeah. But you love all of your Igors. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know what's um an oh, a different <laughs> Now you're just making me think of the times I've reached for a cup, thought it was one thing and got something else. You know it's very unpleasant thinking you're about to get a glass of water when in fact you're grabbing apple juice. <laughs> that is unpleasant. Oh, uh, yep. Okay, so where where were we? Uh, uh, Igor's voice. Um, uh, oh yeah. So Igor's Igor is a lot more sinister sounding in this. Yeah, I just I love it. I think I think that's all we have to say on Igor's voice. Um. Uh, we should talk about how like brutal uh, persona fusions are, I guess, right now. Okay. Um, so the theming of the Velvet Room this time is it's a prison. You're an inmate. You are addressed as inmate by Justine and Chris and Christine. And um, Igor constantly talks to you about your rehabilitation. Um, as an inmate, like, obviously, you don't have any personas yet. We're not there yet. But let's just say, theoretically, we had some uh, weak-ass personas to fuse into a slightly less weak-ass persona. Um, you offer them up to the Velvet Room. Justine and Christine tie them in a sheet, wrap them up with rope, and then stick them both in guillotines, <laughs> chop their heads off, and then the result is the, a new persona. Right. And, you get more methods of execution the further you go on into the game, and they just keep getting, like, more sadistic. And I haven't even seen most of them myself just because I haven't met the requirements yet. Right. <laughs> uh, have you guys had any fusion accidents? No, I haven't. Mm-mm. So those you get a slightly different animation. At first I thought the game was freaking out on me because I couldn't skip the cutscene like I usually do. Uh, basically, what happens is it goes to the normal execution. Then the blades stop halfway, and just and they look at each other and they're like, "Eh, well, line B." And then Justine pulls out a chainsaw and just <laughs> saws their heads off. And then you get a shitty demon you didn't want. Oh my god, I have not seen that. That's amazing. Yeah, it was fantastic. So yeah, you're on. You're sent on your way. Basically, you know, you start a few social links, like the fool social link, which is your plot social link with Igor, and yeah, you go on your way and you kind of start exploring out in the world. Uh, so who do we meet up with first? We I think we meet up with Ryuji first, right? Yep. And like because of the way that the nature of how this plot unfolds, it's going to be hard for us to get all the events in the exact order because some things happen. Ooh. In like little dialogue ways, as you're on your way to other things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, we, we do get one thing before that. Um, basically, once you get settled in at um, at uh, Sakura, is that his name? The uh, coffee Shod- uncle. Well, they, they usually refer to him as Shojiro. 
Sojiro. Okay, yeah, so once you get settled in with Sojiro's place, uh, he takes you over to see the school. Uh, it's a Sunday, and you get introduced to a couple of teachers and Dr. Robotnik, a.k.a. your principal. He is so fat. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. There uh, is but yeah, but, there is a later but, scene in the game where, like, you get to see him in, like, anime form. Because there's anime cutscenes, like there always is in a Persona game. Yeah. And you see him in anime form, and it is, like, so ridiculous to see him in, like, actual motion. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you get to meet the teachers, and it all starts off on a very aggressive, very rough foot. Uh, basically, there's a teacher in there and a principal in there, and they're both borderline threatening you with like you so much as sneeze wrong, and we're gonna we're gonna expel you, and you're going right to prison. And keep in yeah. mind, like Shojiro is kind of on their side. Like he's he's definitely looking at you like you better not fuck this up, kid. And he more or less says that to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, everybody fully expects you to fail and go to prison. And that's kind of setting up the stakes right away, is that no matter what you do, if you screw up even a little bit, you're going straight to jail, you're going to have a criminal record forever, it's going to be terrible, your life will be over. Uh, which kind of makes... I, again, I've only played a little bit into this game so far, but it kind of makes a lot of the later stuff you do really tense, because mm -hmm. uh, you get up to some cool shit that probably would get you into a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. Um, another major player that you run into eventually is Kamoshida, your gym teacher. Um, he's a dick. You, you can tell from the moment you meet him and he has an instant dislike of you. Yeah. Um, and you can tell he's kind of a manipulative guy, like using the students to, to, you know, for his own gain, like pitting them against each other, like, and just generally getting away with it because he's a star athlete. What a dick. Mm-hmm. If only you had a, the a, the power to change people's hearts. <laughs> oh, so you can, mean I, can I just say that um, as much as I really enjoy this game, uh, the idea of like stealing people's hearts like just does not like resonate with me at all. I it, it, when it you, just when you just, say stealing people's hearts. I mean, you know, or taking their heart or whatever, you know, and making them, I don't know. I, I guess it's another way of, this is, this is where, like, you know, my profession as an editor, like, maybe, like, um, you know, is making me overthink it. But it's like, what, what does that mean to take someone's heart? Like, what, you know, it's just like, it's such an inelegant phrase, you know, and whereas, like, in Persona 4... Like, the characters were, like, going through these dungeons and, you know, realizing their, you know, repressed memories or something like that. Like, it was just, it just felt like it was, like, handled more elegantly than it is here. Where, like, taking your heart, it's like, you know, that works with the stealing metaphor, but, like, I don't know. It just doesn't really, like, make much sense to me, like, grammatically or conceptually yeah i get what you're saying um on a side note to go into the thief metaphor one of my favorite touches in the game is on the loading screen instead of take your heart it says take your time yeah. <laughs> actively acknowledging how it's like haha wasting your time oh uh, just reading that kind of kind of relaxes me though it's like oh yeah yeah i can't yeah I'm, i gotta calm down i got plenty of time i got to I got, a 100, got 120 hours of this thing I got to a situation where the um, 
the actual little portrait of the of the hero that spins there changed and i was so delighted <laughs> <laughs> so um you meet your first party member and you know he's your first party member because he's a he's a blonde kid that runs into you uh, his name is your he's your typical like persona three four and five bro like just kind of like dumbass bro character his name is yosuke Um, sorry (laughs) not yosuke his name is ryuji um he will be a uh, a pretty essential party member. Um, might as well cover what he covers in battle. He is has an uh, a an electric uh, persona, and when he does not have electric attacks, it's mostly a lot of physical attacks uh, with usually some uh, some chance of uh, creating a side uh, element like confuse or what do you, what do you call those status effects? There you go, confuse or forget something like that. Um. So yeah, you meet Ryuji, and uh, you just sort of start hanging out with him. Like, it's general get-to-know-your-friend stuff. Like, man, this town sure is weird. The other thing that you're getting uh, glimpses of, uh, and this is mostly in... So there are these scenes that sometimes happen between time transitions, where you just... Like, this happened in Persona 4, where you just sort of get, like, um, a a far-out shot of a cityscape, and you just sort of see bits of other people's conversations. And they Mm -hmm. clue you in. Honestly, I kind of find these things annoying. I feel like every time I see them, they clue me in on the same plot thread I've been following for 10 hours already. I like like that they give, like, a little more... You know, they make the uh, sense... You know, they make it seem, like, a little more, like, broad. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, at this point in the game, like, where I'm at, you know, which is, you know, like, 62 hours in it, um, it's, they're they're getting a little annoying. So, through all that, you basically start to sort of clue in, like, yeah, something's up with Kamoshida, you know, wonder what that's about. Um, I mean, it's, it starts off pretty, like... You meet a high school girl, and she immediately gets invited, kind of aggressively, by Kamashita into his car, and then he gives you a death glare, and I was like, "Huh, you want to uh, come in?" Yes, you meet um, your not uh, your not Chie for this game. Yes, uh, on um, or Anne if you're an American, but everyone in the game calls her on. So, mm-hmm. She is, uh, again, uh, basic battle tactics. She is mostly a fire user with some good buff and debuff spells. If you level up her enough, she will eventually become a healer as well. Her weapon is a whip, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Anyway, we'll get... We'll yeah, get, she, we'll get uh, she... Well, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, like, I, didn't, I was about to start describing everything she does, but then I was like, oh, we can't talk about their... Um, phantom thief shit yet because yeah i was just about to make a mst 3k reference that i'm (laughs) gonna miss next time we talk about it but that's okay so what is the help me remember what is the exact series of events that leads you to getting into kamashita's palace so you have to get the smartphone app first i'm pretty sure right oh igor installs the smartphone app when you're in the velvet room for the first time 
Yeah, it's after you visit the school, I think. After you visit the school with um, Coffee Uncle. Yeah, you, you go to the Velvet Room in your sleep after seeing that weird app show up. And you're like, I should delete this. And then you just fall asleep without doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, then you get the whole scene where you're introduced to Justine and you get all that good stuff. And Igor's great voice. And um, yeah, then the next day uh, you're actually going to school. It was your very first day at school. And you bump into Ryuji, who's just like... Both of you are running late. You don't know what to do. You're trying to figure out what to what's going on. And then you kind of I think you just stumble into it your first day. Oh yeah, that's right. You you take a wrong turn. You're trying to get to school and you get uh you get shit talked when you get back because they're like, Why weren't you at school? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how do you explain that you got lost in the metaverse? Um yeah, you basically you basically take a turn down an alley, then all of a sudden you're in front of a castle. Mm-hmm. Uh you and Ryuji. Yes. So you are where you think the school should be, you see a castle, and you kind of you see the gym teacher. He doesn't look like the gym teacher normally looks. He's wearing a crown. Um, he is wearing what is a do you call it a king's cape? What do you call those? <laughs> yeah, king's yeah, cape. Sure. He's wearing a king's cape with some hearts on it, and mm-hmm. uh, and when he stands still, it like covers <laughs> his entire body. But if he ever moves, you can see underneath he's only wearing like his gold medal that he won at the Olympics and his swimming thong. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bright pink because he's a he's a king of love in this uh in this place. And is is this the point where you see the uh statues of women's butts or is that later? It's in this dungeon. That's the yeah. best feature of this dungeon is eventually you see <laughs> just a bunch of like they are so they have no limbs, no head. They are just the no. torso section of a woman uh, with emphasis on the ass, and they're dressed as high school girl gym uniforms. Yes. Well, you guys remember from, like, elementary school when they taught you about, like, architecture and stuff. You have your ionic columns, your Corinthian <laughs> columns, and your anime butt columns. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, there's a... You know, actually, there's here's another little thing. This started annoying me later in the game, because characters fucking react to everything in a dungeon. Like, they never let me figure something out. Which is a Zelda yeah. problem, and now it's in my Persona game, and that's weird. Um, but at when they first noticed these statues, like I was, I really just enjoyed them. You know, just seeing how messed up seeing inside somebody else's head is. Yeah, that reminds me. Just a quick interjection. I love how many options your character has to respond to things. <laughs> um, like. Usually the Persona games, it's like you get the nice answer, the mean answer, and the non-committal answer. Uh, there's yeah. a lot more character in some of your responses in this one. Like um, uh, one of the things you find in the starting area is once once you get the ability to wander around Shibuya, uh, there's an airsoft shop that will sell you uh, replica guns that work in the metaverse, that work in the dungeons. Which and... is your just general equipment shop, like also your re- your yeah. melee weapons and your uh, armor for the rest of the game. Yeah, and the, and the guy that runs the airsoft shop, shop air shops airsoft shop uh he's a kind of shady looking guy he's like very suspicious looking eyes he's wearing shooting uh uh, shooting earmuffs he's dressed in camo and fatigues like military stuff like very clearly uh, even the music is ominous there like you're in a dangerous place sort of by dangerous people and he asks you when you first talk to him was like tell me what do you think about law enforcement what do you think about police officers oh yeah three options it's like I think they're okay. I don't know how to feel about them. I hate cops. <laughs> yeah. And if you choose I hate cops, he just kind of nods and goes, 
Yep, me too. They're too nosy. <laughs> <laughs> I... And just like, even, even when people are making jokes about the police, every single time the police come up, you have the option to have your character in total deadpan just be like, oh, no, no, I, I don't trust the police. <laughs> which is kind of yep. great. I mean, yeah, it totally makes sense. You are on, there's like no way around it. You're on the opposite side of the law. Like you're doing some real sketchy shit in the name of good, but it's some real sketchy oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, and also like like jokes aside, like your character's whole journey starts out with basically a guy attempting to sexually assault a woman telling you I own the cops, then the cops showing up and being, Oh, sir, you own us. What can we do for you? Effectively. <laughs> so like if that happened to me, I would I would be very anti-cop very fast, too, as so, a kid. So uh, I mean, let's just get this out of the way, because I don't remember exactly where it falls in line continuity-wise. But yeah, basically, you do see a little bit more of the scene. The cops show up. He basically threatened the woman as well. He works with that woman. And um, basically threatened, like, if you don't, like, agree with me with the cops, what do you think is going to happen to your job? And so she ends up ratting on you, because she's more afraid for her livelihood than for her own safety. Mm-hmm. That the guy that you fucked with is that intimidating, and if he's not the final dungeon, then I don't know what is. Anyway, um, well, if you spend some time like walking around like Shibuya and stuff, you'll see like his face on the TV every now and then. Mm-hmm. Even like before the first dungeon, like you you can see glimpses of him and be like, oh, this 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 guy's a big deal. Oh yeah, the game's building him up like definitely, so you, so you get later in the game and be able to enact revenge on him somehow. But I don't know how. But that's very obviously how the game's setting it up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're in Kamashita's palace now. Um, you, uh, so th- this is a long stretch of days where you kind of go in the palace for a minute, get a f- glimpse of a few new mechanics, uh, get out, go back in, few new mechanics, get a new party member, etc., etc. Here are the important things that happen. Um, you and Ryuji discover that you get new costumes in the metaverse once your personas awaken your personas awaken by the way spoiler i can't believe you didn't see that coming uh, <laughs> so you get pan of thief outfits yours is like this pointy mask you have a long flowing overcoat um mm-hmm. ryuji's looks like a skull with the bottom jaw ripped off he's wearing like a red scarf and he's wearing uh like leather a, just like a black leather outfit, mm-hmm. yeah, like a, like a biker get up. Mm-hmm. Biker is going to be a pretty common uh, <laughs> um, reference point for a lot of these outfits. Can we talk about his persona? Um, yeah, we might as well. So your their persona is awakened through a you know a scripted battle. It's no big deal, really. Um, like it's plot important, but like you can kind of guess how it articulates. Um, so you get main character. Uh, the persona that you first get, who you're obviously going to lose at some point because you're going to fuse him away, um, is Arsene uh, after Lupin. Um, he is uh, like a fencer. Like a giant red fencer. Mm-hmm. And Ryuji's is uh, Captain Billy the Kid, who has a, like, he rides around on a mini pirate ship and uh, does pirate things. It's pretty great. Also, he's a skeleton. He's a ghost skeleton. <laughs> he, so again, like I think, I think you're kind of underselling like the flair of this. He is a ghost skeleton with. He is a ghost skeleton pirate that rides on a ghost ship like a skateboard. <laughs> yep, this is true. This is you know the best you know the mo the best thing that you can say for Ryuji 
is his persona. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I've noticed that, that it's held true so far um, with the main character, with Ryuji, I think it keeps holding true for the other characters, but their personas are all after like great thieves of literature and history. And yep. all of them are just so cool. Mm. It's been it's been great. Um, well, I would say yes, except for one, which, uh, you know, for my own predilections, uh, is really close to home and I love it so much. Um, I think you're probably, you're probably aware of the one I'm talking about, Brian, um, after the, uh, Zelda dungeon. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about. (laughs) Evan will like it too. Evan will really like that one. Yes. Ooh, I look forward to it. Um, so uh, I I, I miss kind of missed the what the that conversation was. What were we just saying that the the personas are yep. good because they the personas are. are good and they also all seem to be based off of uh, famous uh, thieves from literature. You know, um, that theme doesn't hold, but they are all like famous ideas gotcha and yeah i'm only i've only done um i've only unlocked five party members so far uh, four party members so far so i still have a lot to see so the other big thing that you run into in your trips to the dungeon first you get you locked in the actual dungeon part of this castle which is like the underground part and your first big goal is to like get out of the dungeon and you run into a, a friend who will teach you a lot about how the metaverse works and how battling works and it's a little talking cat named morgana yeah morgana is not teddy not a teddy, talking I'm... cat <laughs> a talking cat i mean i i like um, actually like say that there, there's actually a uh, scene where they're like a talking cat i assume they've they they knew what they were doing. I, i'm sure they were or the writers were like, if I were to see a talking cat, what would I say? Anyway, <laughs> uh, so you, you meet Morgana, like in the, in the, when you meet him, he's got like, he's a little chibi form, like obviously like an anthropomorphized cartoon version of a cat. Like his head's really big. He's got a tiny body, but like he carries himself in battle and has a persona himself. Indeed. And, you know, honestly, um, I... You know, we're all cat lovers here. Um, I would prefer him in his cat form all the time rather than cat <laughs> because I think he's cuter in cat form. Um, Normal cat form. There's really stuff about Morgana. There's stuff about Morgana we're not allowed to talk about yet, so I'll save my opinion on that for <laughs> later. Uh, Speaking of someone but... two dungeons in, Morgana is great. No complaints. <laughs> I'm just talking oh, no, about just the character getting... design. Like, I would rather, like, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah. in the Raidu games where you have a uh, talking cat that's just a normal cat, you know. I would prefer I, that. I like the chibi form. I like that... Um, so, spoiler, when you get Morgana back to the real world, it just looks like a cat. Um, it would It would have been weirder if, like, you got back... It did, like, the teddy thing where you got back, it still looks like it did in the dungeon... And then, like, you pop off its head and there's a normal cat inside or something. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the... <laughs> this is true. Uh, yeah, I, I do love how when you get back to the real world, like, not only is it this very adorable cat, 
but the cat hangs out in your bag. So you just see a little head poking out as you're walking mm. around the world, and whenever something interesting happens, <laughs> he, like, cranes out, puts his uh, paws on your shoulder, and, like, looks over your head to talk and look around. It's super cute. So a warning to everyone at home. You think you have freedom? No. Morgana controls your life now. Yeah. Morgana tells you when to go to bed. Morgana tells you when you don't have time to make lockpicks at yeah. night. Okay? No questions. <laughs> and also, people who uh, are not Persona users are like, what the hell is that? Why, why is that cat, like, meowing so much? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a really nice touch. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you... You work with Morgana to escape. You get into your first dungeons. You find out like how to negotiate. Uh, or no, sorry, you don't get to negotiate yet. That, that's actually a big deal. Morgana doesn't know that you can negotiate with shadows. Like when you negotiate with your first shadow and turn it into a persona, he is legitimately surprised that that can happen. It is again, as with all persona games, it is unusual for the most part for people to be able to have multiple personas. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. and- Morgana is a lot like Teddy in more ways than just being a cute mascot. But, uh, like, Morgana, like Teddy, knows a lot about the world, but doesn't necessarily know why or how he knows it. And he feels like he feels like he has an idea of who he is. He thinks he's a human, uh, but he doesn't remember what sort of human he was like, how he became what he is now. Uh, he's basically just a bundle of emotions and knowledge, but not necessarily memories. Mm-hmm. That's a very good way of putting it. Uh, so battle-wise, he is uh, wind-based, and you're, he's also going to be your healer for the first while. Um, and he, he remains a good healer throughout the game. I still keep him in my party uh, five dungeons in just because he's uh, like he's got the best healing spells. Um, his, his persona is Zoro. Which I always forget is not a copyrighted character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I kind of don't care for the design of Zoro in this game. No. Uh, it, it's one of the, one of the least impressive. It's the head specifically because Zoro doesn't have a neck. It's just kind of a real <laughs> squat head. Yeah, I I do not have you know, like whenever I see Zoro come up on my screen I'm like, oh yeah that guy, he's not very impressive looking. <laughs> So you you basically decide with Ryuji, like, you're going to go back, you're going to actually infiltrate this dungeon, you're going to see if you can do something about Kamoshida. Like, Morgana explains, like, like Morgana says this with such conviction, but you later realize he doesn't 100% know for sure that this is going to work. But he basically talks you into, like, yeah, we need to, like, find his ultimate treasure, and then once we have his ultimate treasure, we can, like, change his personality. Uh, oh, by the way, guys, um, he's going to be like completely brain dead afterwards. And yeah. <laughs> so, so you're, you're basically... uh, coincidentally, guys, there we kind of skipped over something. You've been hearing about like people just sort of like like train drivers just sort of passing oh, yeah. out and like just sort of in the background like that. Well, you I still haven't gotten that to pay off. Well, so, yet, so you, but you, like that's a detail. To you get a cutscene. Like, you actually get a cutscene of a train derailing, and at, and right before it derails, like, 
the the train like everybody's on the train like oh something's weird this train's going way too fast and then it cuts to the train conductor and he's like visibly crying but then his eyes like go totally blank and start pouring blood out of them and mm-hmm. then the train just shoots to the station and derails yeah so, yeah so that's probably what will happen when you steal Kamashita's treasure. And so you guys, you know, you kind of dwell on it for a bit, think it over, but ultimately decide you got to do something. Uh, and you kind of hope that you can figure out another way to do it before that happens. Your crew is basically deciding that there's a very real chance that we are going to kill this man and we're still okay with doing it. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, have we, have we gotten to the point where he's, he's still just, uh, as far as we know, abusive to his, uh, the people on his team, right? Like physically abusive. So we, when you're in the dungeon, you like see evidence of, uh, what he's been doing to his, uh, like softball, Uh, volleyball volleyball team. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're like, oh god, he's treating his team so horribly. And but then like there's rumors that that blonde girl on has been like going out with him. Um lots of weird stuff and just like more stuff keeps coming out. Uh so then you get to the truth of the matter, which is like he's just straight up like this is like sexual assault level Bill O'Reilly. Uh <laughs> Oh yeah. I control the school bullshit. Yeah. Well, one thing just like with Persona 4 like these dungeons are the person's true heart. Uh, like this castle that you see is how um, it's, it's how Kamashita views the school, views the students into it. Uh, he sees himself as the king and the students as his slaves uh, effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like he is totally chastising them as slaves and uh, you and Ryuji actually get like a little, I don't remember exactly where this happens, uh, but basically he wants to commit to memory every single person that was being harmed by Kamashita in the other world and then use that to track them down in the real world and ask them about the abuse. Uh, because mm-hmm. he's thinking like, okay, well, if we want to steal his heart, like we, we need to know what's going on here. We need to know like who's involved. We need more information. And yeah, like you see, he, he goes room by room looking at the, the kids that are being subjected to various like it's definitely like comical torture. It's not like mm. no nobody's getting put onto a bed and stretched, but it's like kids getting hung from the ceiling and having uh, volleyballs uh, shot at them. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. The dungeons can be very funny and very weird. Not consistently, but like enough that like they're pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you uh you you do a little detective out in the real world out in the real world you know you follow some leads some of those leads lead you to to on and you know you question on and you find out like uh her friend is in the hospital because of like shit Kamashita did and uh, um, well she jumps from the uh, she jumps from building to commit suicide yeah uh, try and commit suicide because it's implied that he uh, sexually assaulted her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, that's how she sort of gets involved. How does she enter the dungeon? Who uh, So she follows your crew. Uh, so you and Ryuji, so she basically comes to you and Ryuji because you have been asking questions to everybody. Um, everybody that you and Ryuji, like, saw in the dungeon, you're finding in the real world, you're questioning them. You have seen Anne in the dungeon at this point. Um, she is alongside Kamashita as basically this mindless 
this mindless sex servant, essentially. Uh, she's always fawning over him. She's always in a bikini. And she's always just, like, stroking his chest and laughing at all of his jokes. And the way he sees her... Oh, is, yeah. He basically sees her as his property, as his toy. Like, yeah, like, specifically, like, she is a treasured prize. Like, she's different from other girls because she's not an object. She's, like the ultimate prize right yeah. and on is basically been spending time with her because or uh, spending time with him because she wanted to deflect attention from her friend yeah and he he basically threatened her saying that hey if you really uh this, this comes up a couple of times uh, throughout this ep- this episode but uh yeah he basically tells her like hey your friend is on this team because I am so so kind and so generous and so friendly, it would be a shame if something happened to her. Why don't you get in my car? That, like, yeah, just like... Yeah. The ultimate slime ball, just right out the gate. So, like, we mentioned this last episode, but this game starts really damn dark. Like, you're accused of a crime. Everybody treats you like shit. Your first day of school, like, you enter this weird castle world where everybody's being tortured and kidnapped. Uh, you find out you're... One of the first people you meet at that school is, like, a sexual abuser, is a physical abuser. Like, this game starts dark and doesn't let up for mm-hmm. a very long time, for, for at least, like, 10, 15 hours. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, the reason that you were, like, unjustly uh, put under probation was because you caught somebody, you know, doing uh, sexual abuse. So, On awakens her persona uh, through a mini-boss fight, scripted event. Um, her persona outfit is a red cat suit with a cat mask. All right, now I can say, yeah, it's uh, it's basically Kitten with a Whip, which, uh, yep. yeah. If you, uh, it's got a tail and everything. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I wouldn't have hated this so much, this specific uh, character design so much. I actually, when I first saw it, I kind of liked yeah. it. But here's the thing. Hers is the only one that's the pri- like primary color is red. Like almost everyone else is like a dark like like a thief color, like something you wouldn't fucking see like <laughs> ten feet away in the dark. But hers is fire truck red. It's true. It's true. I think it kind of works, you know, like in that like you know kitschy, you know, fifties exploitation film kind of way. If if anyone else had also kind of had a similar aesthetic, I would have been better. Mm-hmm. But it just it, no one else has matched that, so she like stands out. I don't hate it. It's not a great choice. Anyway, so she, we have her persona as well, which is Carmen from the opera Carmen, I assume. Yes. And she's a she's got a very like uh, very full skirt that she uses to dance around with. Uh, it looks very nice in motion. And then mm-hmm. she has her two beautiful little boys. <laughs> uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Um, I can't load a picture so, on my internet connection so right Carmen now. Carmen features two other smaller personas uh, attached to her. They, they look like shadows from Persona 3 and 4. Uh, like people with the sort of shadow mask. Uh one of them she has a with a one of them has a chain and collar around his neck, and she just sort of <laughs> swings him around. Uh, the other one also has a chain and collar around his neck. Uh, he is kneeling on all fours under her skirt, and she is uh, crushing his neck and his back with her heels. 
Huh. So very, very clear connotations between that and the whip. At the <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, Aubrey Plaza's character in early episodes of Parks and Rec where she had the uh, two gay boyfriends. um can we just take a minute here um and you're probably gonna have to edit this out but uh i was looking at the Eurogamer thing brian yeah uh and evan and i'm gonna put it in the slack chat right now because i feel like there was maybe an appearance of mara in the first uh dungeon that i did not see I'm. I'm um, right you mean the mini boss? Was that Mara? The idol of sin. Uh, the the torn king of desire. Torn king of desire. There we go. Like you just see the tip, just the tip. Yeah. I, so it didn't it name says, it. It's co- and Morgana says it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I totally. I realized. Uh, I assume you're gonna see Mara in full later on. I in the fucking game. hope so. <laughs> okay, you know what? Or maybe I am looking. I'm going to spoil you guys right now. I'm looking at a screenshot of Mara with the Persona 5 protagonist. It is an HD Mara. Don't worry. Okay. Just, yeah. <laughs> there are multiple dick demons that look like Mara in SMT. So, like... Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we, we have special love for Mara. <laughs> I'm going to see if anyone knows what the Torn King of Desire is exactly. Um... Anyway, um, okay, um, so at some point you also uh, meet another social link in this place, uh, in this part of the game. Uh, one day when you wake up, you go downstairs in Shojiro's shop, and one of his customers is a local doctor, uh, Tei Takimi, who um, you can uh, start going to her... Uh, <laughs> She's a, a back alley doctor, according to her social link. <laughs> so you can go there and uh, participate in shady medical trials to increase your guts. <laughs> yep. And uh, she also will sell you medicines that are not available at other medicinal stores in the game. Uh, very good medicines to have. Um, very useful social link in general. So and she is a uh, she's a uh, punk doctor. Yes. And just so we do our due diligence, she represents the Arcana of Death. Um, On is, uh, since, we've, since we've met the others, uh, On is the Lovers, Ryuji is, oh boy, Chariot. anyone remember? Chariot, and uh, Morgana is, I wish I should have pulled up the list before I started is, is this. Is Morgana Magician? I'm just pulling up a list. I don't know. Morgana is like the uh, tarot card of uh, nagging. <laughs> uh, who's the coffee uncle again? What's his name? So Magician, yeah. Hey, what is coffee uncle's name? I don't want to keep calling him that. The guy that sets you up in his shop. What, Shojiro? What about so, Shojiro, yeah. I, sorry, I can never remember his name. Uh, and Sojiro, uh, <laughs> the other one you've met so far, and his is Hierophant. Yes. One of the, the yeah, the boring ones that aren't interesting. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, so I guess uh, we just should just cover the dungeon at this point. I don't remember any other super major events that happened before you finish the dungeon at this point. No, like th- there was, 
we kind of like made that whole like initial first pre uh pre real dungeon stuff in, into one like condensed thing like you break out of jail there's some stuff with kamashira uh, kamashira statues and guards and yeah so yeah once once you have your party of four you are now doing a full-on heist to steal kamashira's heart uh, no, no major tricks to this dungeon. Like, it's really just more about you getting used to the idea of taking cover. So, like, cover's plentiful. There's not uh, a ton of enemies that can really screw you over. At a certain point through the dungeon, um, you do end up, uh, getting to a tower. And that's when it starts to really kick into high gear in terms of, like, enemy, uh, just, like, how tough they are. And how alert they are, too. Um, and you go up the tower, there's, like, you know, there's some... Basically, every dungeon has, like, these tiny little environment puzzles where it's, like, oh, here's a thing. Um, in this one... And we have to go find a thing to stop it. Uh, in this one, there is a... Um, Sense Fortress swinging guillotines. Uh, can't run past it, even though the pattern looks totally passable. I don't know why <laughs> they couldn't pass it. Um... But you have to go and find the two eyeballs to stick into a statue uh, to turn it off. And that's the only real major, like, uh, fetch quest you have to do for this dungeon. Yeah, more or less. So you do that. You fight a mini-boss. You fight the uh, Torn King of Desire. Uh, You're about level 15-ish at this point. Maybe a little less than that. Um, and, uh, it's pretty quick. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely tough at this point, but it's like, if you've played persona, you know, try to find the weakness, uh, you know, use any buff debuff spells that you have to, um, and to get past, it's pretty controlled what you have in your tool set at this point. So, you know, you just sort of got to follow the, the clues that the game is leading you towards. But with that in mind, you go up the final staircase, you find Komashita's like, throne room and you go to the back find the treasure and you find this glowing orb floating in midair indeed and this is uh your first treasure um no one is quite sure what to make of it morgana has never gotten this far he's uh, even a little surprised but he does tell you basically you deduce that you must make kamashita aware that you're going to get his treasure. So you have to go out into the real world and place a calling card. And this is a mechanic. And placing a calling card takes an entire day. So you never want to start the dungeon on the last day you have available. Yeah, definitely not. Um, And there are certain Mm -hmm. dungeons that will kick you out of the dungeon at a certain point because you have to meet a real world requirement. It's not often, but it does happen. And like we're all persona user, persona players, we know that you shouldn't just get the dungeon done so you can do the social. Yeah, points. exactly. That's what we're all here for. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I enjoyed the, dun- I really enjoy enjoy the dungeons in this game. So like you know, I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. Um, I don't dislike the dungeons. It's just like the social links is really the. Um, it's the thread that keeps me going. Right, yeah. I love, I like the dungeons a lot, but it's like, if if it was just the dungeons with none of the social links, I would be like, 
oh, these are pretty good dungeons, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, it, the boss fights aside, because, like, the boss fights are their own, like, type of special that I just absolutely love, but the rest of the dungeons feel more like, um, more like a palate cleanser than a main draw, like something to break up all of the visual novel, like, text and relationship building and plot. <laughs> it's a game to play when you get too bored of the story. <laughs> um, That's a great way of putting it, yeah. So you go out and you get a calling card. You waste a day doing that. You do it very publicly. You do it in the middle of school and everyone's like, the Phantom Thieves, the Phantom Thieves. Who are the Phantom oh, Thieves? Oh, and these things are great too because um, uh, Ryuji designed them and he did them all like like a serial killer, like newspaper le- or magazine letter cutout. <laughs> yeah. Why they let Ryuji do it, I- I'll never understand. I guess he was the most artistic of the three of them at the time. Yeah, it's... that every Every time he does it, it's basically the logic of... Uh, like, if you ever had, like, a group project where you had to write on the whiteboard, everybody would just, like, the person who wrote on the whiteboard would be the one that had the worst excuse not to write. So, we set the calling card up. That raises the security risk in the palace to 99%. Guys, we didn't talk about security oh, risks. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you have a you have a threat meter basically. It starts at zero when the palace begins. Every time you approach an enemy and the enemy notices you, that meter goes up. It doesn't matter if they get the first hit. If they notice you and are alert, that meter goes up. You can lower it again by ambushing enemies and successfully successfully winning those battles. But winning the battles of enemies that you've already alerted has no effect on the meter. It stays as it was once they saw mm-hmm. you. Um, if you get it to 100, you will be forced out of the dungeon, which I did once accidentally. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I, but at the same time, I was also really low on SP, so it was probably for the best. Uh, so anyway, threat meter. So you go back into the dungeon after the calling card. The threat meter is automatically at 99%, so you do not want to get caught uh, at, at any point. It's really easy in Kamashita's dungeon. There are no enemies between the final safe room and where the treasure is. Uh, we did say you could save anywhere. That is true in the overworld. When you're in the dungeons, you can only save in the save rooms. But you can teleport freely between save rooms if you're in one, which is great. And you'll always have a velvet room right at the beginning of the dungeon that you can freely warp to at a save room. So... Once you, uh, you're in the save room, you go up the, you try to go to the throne room, uh, you try to sneak into where the treasure room was the first way you went through, but that way's been blocked off. The only way through is to just go through the throne room doors. You walk in, Kamashita's there to greet you. And the whole cutscene plays out, he lays out his motivations about how he's the king of everything, and, um, uh, suck my dick, blah blah blah. And then he transforms into his, uh, dark shadow form, which is this wonderful... Um, gluttonous demon with multiple arms sitting in front of a golden chalice with women's legs. <laughs> also, he has a tongue longer than he is. Yes. <laughs> and oh, and a giant crown, horns, uh, like this really comical, like, uh, like scissor mouth. It's really great. Yeah, yeah. Considering how, like, serious and mature the, um, the themes have been up until now it's 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 a little bit of a uh crazy contrast but uh it's still <laughs> kind of funny I, I really i really like it thematically too because the the way kamashita presents to 
the other teachers and like all the adults in the school is that as this like he has it together he's calm he's collected he's reliable uh he's good with the students and he's hugely successful and like he paints this image of being a very put together person and then you see him in this world and he is you think of any type of um any type of excess, any type of overindulgence, any type of loss of control. And this guy is basically all of it at once. Mm. Uh, his eyes never point in the same direction. He lulls about like he's super, super drunk. Uh, he's got yeah, a giant he, glass of wine. Huge glass of wine with a with a woman in it. <laughs> which is as my favorite move that he does, which oh, is to heal himself. He it. just drinks that I woman. I hate it so much. <laughs> Everything, <laughs> yeah, he has a, a woman that's like... A, like an ice cube in a wine glass, uh, he has a move called Lustful Slurp, where he'll recover by yeah. pouring her into his mouth and then just sort of like sucking on her for a little bit. And ugh, I don't like it. I don't like What's it. That? I don't like the way he sits in his mouth, and I don't like that he spits it back in. <laughs> it's very, very so, disquieting. As a fight, there's not a ton of strategy. He's mostly just a tank. Uh, the big lesson of this fight is that bosses can have unique story battle circumstances where you can send a character to do a task. Oh, yeah. Um, and the, 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 so you, you, your party composition is kind of static right now. You have the four members, um, and you, you can never send yourself. The main character can never go. You always have to keep him like in the party. So there's a point where they're like, we need to sneak, uh, we need to sneak on top of him to see if we can get like a critical. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, your choices are Anne, Ryuji, or Morgana. And my first, um... <laughs> I heard that. Whoever opened that, I'm so sorry. Are you watching shitty cartoons on a on a bootleg site? <laughs> no, no, I was. I accidentally hit on the um, from around the web from the Eurogamer site. <laughs> okay, that 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 ad shows up all the time on my uh, on my on the shitty uh, semi legal streaming site I use. <laughs> it's just like warning: do not play this game if you are under eighteen. And it's like, then why do you make it sound so fun? No. <laughs> Maddie just shot me the 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 worst stink eye I've ever seen. <laughs> I've made that exact same joke in front of you. <laughs> you thought it was funny then, whatever. Anyway, sorry. Let let me try that. Again. Well, I just so on my first a uh, picture of Mara uh, over uh, IMs or a text message. So, <laughs> so on my first try at this, I sent on, which is not a good idea, and the game actually warns you about this because. During the battle, sometimes Kam- uh, Kamashita will just skip his turn to stare at on. Oh yeah, yeah. Just to give her a lustful gaze. So if you send on, uh, she fails because he's what he's watching her the whole time. Yeah, and that's the thing because like you're not. It's a boss fight, but you're not really here to kill the boss. You are here to get away with the treasure. And the the gimmick of this fight is that you want to have one of your party members sneak onto his head to steal the crown, which is his treasure. And once you do that, he loses his shit and, you know, it, it becomes easier to just damage him a bunch and get the fuck out of there. Yep. Yeah, and so with him down, he is reduced uh, back to his human form and he is just begging for mercy, uh, sobbing, like just a, a total wreck. Um, you almost kill him. Like, you and your crew are very, very close to just 
murdering him and leaving him brain dead because like not, not only is he this guy that has abused half of your party abused two of your party members uh one sexually one uh, physically like in addition to that he has also just been gloating and bragging and just hounding you on for the last like hour of gameplay so like your characters are just really amped up from fighting him and yeah ryuji Raiji and Anne in particular almost kills him and basically your party talks it out and they're like and she just says you know what no I want you to stay alive and I want you to be found guilty and be stripped of everything you care about because Mm -hmm. a death is too quick and easy for you I want you to stay alive so you can suffer and everybody else is just like oh um holy shit Anne okay okay yeah that's (laughs) let's do that let's do that yeah, yeah, which is, you know, a good way of uh, resolving that. Um, yeah, was that everything we wanted to talk about with the boss fight? I, I think so. Oh, yeah. There's there's not really much to it. Uh, your dude sneaks up, knocks off the crown, and triggers that whole thing we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dungeon starts falling apart, uh, and you get a pretty great animation of the team running away. Mm-hmm. Uh the um the next day at school kamashida does not show up um and then he will be gone until the deadline is reached uh the arbitrary reason for this deadline was that uh kamashida was going to give an expulsion report uh for you in about three weeks and so you have three weeks to get the dungeon cleared um and then once there's a school assembly called and uh they're talking to the students about a bunch of stuff and then during the middle of the school assembly Kamashita walks into the room and everyone's like, Kamashita-san, where have you been? And he's like, I have a confession to make. <laughs> he does like a real dramatic breakdown reveal, like telling everybody, like, <laughs> I said, like, and he lays it out. Like, he doesn't sugarcoat it. He's like, I've sexually assaulted students. I'm a terrible person. I've exploited people. I've pushed them to the limits. And he's like, and therefore... I shall honorably kill myself on stage. (laughs) (laughs) And then you basically convince him, wait, why don't you let the law, or I think it's the principal who's like, why don't you let the law take it into their hands? And then he's like, that's probably a smarter move. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love how it's implied that it never occurred to him that he could not, like, commit ritual suicide in front of all the students. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I never thought of doing anything. Yeah, okay. Pull a, pull a Yukio Mishima, you know. And oh, incidentally, yeah. with a sudden change of heart, is this a time where I bring up how weird it is that after Strange Journey, you're playing a game where your characters are basically doing the same thing that Zelenin did? And <laughs> basically, you, using your power, using your otherworldly powers given to you by a very suspicious stranger to um, brainwash people and change their minds to get them to be more like what you think is good. Well, when you phrase it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that way. Um, indeed. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, that's Kamashita's palace. You know, you, you sort of congratulate yourself with Anne and Ryuji, and you're like, we're so great, we're the three musketeers, or whatever. And uh, basically decide maybe you should do it again sometime, because how can you not? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just sort of trails off from there, no big uh, event to end on. That's pretty much... That's the entirety of April and a little ways into uh, May of Persona 5. Yeah, and that is the first, our first arc. 
our second episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it feels so good to be back in the swing of things, guys. I can't wait to talk some more about Dungeons 2 through Infinity. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this game doesn't end, right? This, this is the forever game? <laughs> I I actually posted something in Slack at some point where I was like, uh, you know, I'm looking at my play clock being at 40, 48 hours, and I'm like, I'm happy that I'm I'm making legitimate progress in this game, but there's also this realization that eventually it just stops. I know, and how long is it going to be until we get a Persona 6? Never. It's not going to happen. I'll be dead by then. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, I'm terrified by that. You know? Well, you know, you know, like I I I've I've had so much joy in recent months between Breath of the Wild and Persona 6, and I love Breath of the Wild. I don't think that uh they will uh succeed at making a, a uh, Zelda game that great for a long time. And I am dubious that a Persona 6 will ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Well, I, I guess uh, is that good? I think that's goodbye from everybody here at Mega 10 Marathon. We should, uh, thank we you should all probably for joining do the, us once uh, again. plugs, right? We got plugs? What do we got plugs well, for? We got plugs for, you know, like rating and reviewing us on iTunes and sure. following us on uh, Facebook and social twitter. media twitter yes um, get, maybe do we have an instagram we should get an instagram so we can uh never use it uh take photos the claim we have an instagram yeah, well yeah take photos of the screen are there any other dead social media platforms that we can exploit there's still myspace we can still make a myspace uh, we can, right? we can get a LinkedIn. <laughs> myspace is coming back paul <laughs> just mark my words i don't know i was, I was thinking linkedin be a good spot for us <laughs> <laughs> Um. Uh, okay. Uh, is that everything then? I think it's. I think that's it. All right. Um. Well, from all of us here at Mega Man Ten Marathon, uh, have a wonderful night. And when Persona Six does come out, you'll never see it coming.